0: As already has been mentioned, doctors Ellen are with us, and so we're going to have Doctor Nicholas Ellen come up to share. And if you are, don't know him yet, uh, he is a friend of—I uh, consider him a friend of myself, but as a, as a church, he's a friend of our, our church family. He's been involved in pastoral ministry for many, many years. He's been involved in biblical counseling for many, many years. He and his wife. Uh, they're traveling all the time. I am always feel blessed that we got them. I feel like we kind of, we just snagged. You know, they're here speaking at a conference at North Creek, and what we do is, we are a church, we're like a leech. We just attach ourselves to the underbelly <laughs> of the large ship passing by, and we just kind of nab off people as they go. No, I'm kidding. They're fine with it. It's good. But we're, we're so glad to have them with us, and uh, brother, would you come forward now and share the word? Let's welcome him. Good morning as I work through the maze here. I'm coming on up there. (laughs) Good morning to you all. It's always a privilege to come back and to serve you guys every year. I'm always excited to come because you guys are very kind. And then I love when me and your pastor hang out for lunch. (laughs) He does it so well. I really appreciate that. No, but honestly, I just enjoy the fellowship with you guys. It is like I'm home. I tell people whenever I'm asked to come this way, the answer is yes. Because you, you treat us so well. So thank you so much. Because again, we go places and people are not necessarily that nice. <laughs> uh, but again, thank you for your kindness. Why don't we open up God's word together. Let's pray. and Let's see where he takes us today. Father, we thank you so much. You've given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And Lord, we need you. There's so much happening in this world, so many things going on, so much confusion. We need your clarity. We need to understand how to think about life, how to think about hope, how to think about you. Help us to learn from this so that we could live in such a way that you are glorified, our brothers and sisters are edified, and the devil is horrified because we stand together on one accord, trusting you, leaning not on our own understanding. And Lord, guide us through this time together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to read some quotes to you. And I want you to think about these quotes and just see how these quotes hit your thought life. Listen to this. Don't blame people for disappointing you. Blame yourself for expecting too much from them. Doesn't that sound interesting? Consider another quote. Disappointment is evidence that our hope was set on something other than God I don't know about you but that one strikes me pretty hard let me read that again disappointment is evidence that our hope was set on something other than God here's a third one that really hit me the disappointment of unfulfilled expectations is exactly the evidence that we were made for more than this world can offer isn't that interesting Here's another quote. I really love this one. Disappointment is a sign that we have been looking to something or someone else to give us what only God can give. And then the final one. As we begin to realize that this is a broken world, we cannot look for reliable hope horizontally. We are at the edge of what we were designed to do, which is hope in God. Now, I bring that to you because our church has been in the midst for a while of waiting on a building. We have been, again, we started in the hotel and then we moved to, and I loved it, we were in a mall that had like 6,000 square feet. And in this mall, we had freedom to worship and serve until the management decided they wanted to bring someone else in. But they told us we were too loud and then brought someone as louder than us. (laughs) Then we moved to where I teach at the college in Houston and we were there for years and then COVID hit and they decided no more people in the building and we've been looking for years to find a building to do worship. And so then the Lord opened the door. We found this building for worship, but the building is an executive building and it has to be turned into a church facility. And the city just loves churches. You guys know that, right? (laughs) They love churches so much, they make us wait to make sure we do it just right. And we've been waiting, and we've been waiting. And we've had hope in so many different things, and so many different things have fallen through the cracks. I don't know about you but it taught me something and I want to share some of that with you sometimes when you're waiting on God and what you're hoping for you need to make sure there's a match and what I mean by that is this sometimes there may be things that you're hoping for God is not going to come through on not because he doesn't love you but because it wasn't in his sovereign plan and it wasn't his promise and then there are certain things that God is going to come through on and it's in his plan and in his promise, but it's not in his timing for us. I want us to pull to connect to- together today an understanding of waiting and also disappointed expectations. Because if we can manage and understand how that works, it will challenge us in how we are praying and what we are waiting for, what we are anticipating, knowing that one or two realities is going to hit us. Number one, if God promised it, it's going to happen. Number two, if God didn't promise it, it may or may not happen. And so the reality is, where is your hope? But before we begin to break that down through this passage, I want to give you a working definition of what it means to wait on God. I was walking through a five-week series with our congregation on waiting, and I found this definition that I thought was excellent, and the man's name is Smedley Yates. I don't know how he grew up without getting beat up with a name like that. Smedley Yates. But at any rate, Smedley Yates has this wonderful definition for waiting that I want to share with you. Listen to these words. Waiting on God is faith expressed and persevering obedience while trusting God to work all things according to his perfect plan in his perfect time. And this is what I like. Or Put mathematically, waiting on God is trust multiplied by time. Isn't that a wonderful understanding of waiting? I don't know about you, but waiting is one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do in my life as it relates to God. But in waiting, I've also learned, and I want to share this with you, that there are many times that the things that we're waiting for are things that God did not promise. And if we're not clear on what to wait for or how to wait, we may find ourselves being angry at God. And it's never right to be angry of God. And when we are angry with God, it exposes that what we want from God is more important than our relationship with God. And when that happens, God is not upset with us. He's going to use that to expose us, to drive us to true, genuine worship, to understand that there's nothing more blessed than fellowship with him. And anything we want from him can outweigh the fellowship with him. But I want us to explore together how waiting And disappointment can happen and how we need to think through the things that we are hoping for in your bibles in proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 there is a passage that i want us to dissect today and pull these things together and that is about hope now whenever you're looking at a proverb you can do exegesis on a proverbs in two ways proverbs gives us a description for life And Proverbs also gives us a prescription for life. So whenever you are going through a proverb, you're going to get a description, you're going to get a prescription. And in this particular passage, we're getting a description, but from it, we can glean a prescription. Notice what he says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, I found some great commentaries on this, but the top two to me really just rung out. And I wanted you to read these with me because they were so profound. I thought, this is how you really glean this text. So, I was able to pull Walvoort from Dallas Theological Seminary and Matthew Henry. And I want you to look at what they're saying. It should be in your notes. Listen to these words. It is good for a person to have hope. But if it's not fulfilled for a long time, deferred means put off, a long drawn out, then he experiences disappointment. His heart becomes sick. But when a hope is fulfilled, a person is refreshed. The gratification of hope gives encouragement like a tree that gives life. But the next commentator is where we're going to get into the sermon because this is where we must learn and live from. Listen to Matthew Henry's understanding. He says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick and languishing, fretful and peevish. But hope quite dashed kills the heart. And the more high the expectation was raised, the more cutting is the frustration of it. It is therefore our wisdom not to promise ourselves any great matters From the creature, not to feed ourselves with any vain hopes from this world, lest we lay up a matter for our own vexation. Can I translate what he just said? Please stop putting your hope in people and circumstances because it's going to crush you. If all of what you're hoping for, if all of what you're anticipating is lied to this world or connected to this world, if it's connected to people, you are going to be vexed and frustrated because the hope of this world is going to disappoint The Bible tells us that the Lord does not disappoint, but where we are disappointed, it is a matter of reflection for us because there's something that we have depended upon or looking towards that was not promised by God. He's telling us in this passage, if we think about it, hope deferred can make you sick, but we need to understand what that means. So walk with me in point number one as we try to understand this hope and and this waiting and putting it all together. Consider this, hope deferred can be expectations that are delayed or denied. Hope deferred can be expectations that are delayed or denied. So when the Bible says hope deferred, deferred means again something that God is on delay with or something God is going to deny. And if we think about it, just to process this together, there are things that we are hoping for that will not be realized resulting in deep disappointment in our lives. And we need to understand that anything that God did not promise, and that's why we need to know the promises of God. If God did not promise something that we're hoping in, we need to be careful putting all of our expectations in those things because they may or may not happen. But secondly, there are things that we're hoping for that will be realized, but they are on delay according to the providential plans and wisdom of God. There are some things that God is going to do that he didn't promise, but he's going to do it, but it's on delay because guess what? He's working out your character before he provides that thing that you are looking for. Because for many of us, the things that we want, we're not ready to handle yet. We are not yet at a place where we love him more than we love his stuff. We're not yet at a place where we love him more than we love the thing that we want from him. And what I've been discovering is that real blessings are truly only enjoyed when we enjoy them in the fullness of the presence of God. Something is not really a blessing if it's not enjoyed in God's presence. If it's something you want from him, not something you want with him, you'll be miserable with it and you'll be sad without it. Why? Because your life is tied to something that will not give you life and there are things that we're hoping for and and god's going to let it happen but it's on delay it is not yet time for you to experience it because at the time you could have it will be the time he will get the greatest glory and will be to your ultimate good but third consider this the things that god has promised to us in his word will be realized in our lives I don't care what's happening, what's going on with you. Whatever God promised, that is going to happen. But we must understand what has God promised. Too often people will take a text out of context and give you a con. In other words, they're saying things that the Bible didn't say. It seems right. It sounds good to you. And so then you name it and claim it and grab it and bag it and call it and haul it and you never get it. Why? Because you weren't meant to name it and claim it and grab it and bag it and speak things into existence and all that crazy stuff because it's not real. And you know what I'm talking about. You've seen that TV preacher. Can I be him for just a moment? I sense in my spirit that someone in this room is having relationship problems. I sense in my spirit someone in this room is having financial problems. I sense in my spirit someone in this room is having physical problems. Well, that's all of you. (laughs) There's nobody in this room that's not having some financial, relational, or physical problems. The Bible says, there hath no temptation taken you but such as is. But see, we're easily manipulated by that because we think, he's talking to me be careful we've got to know what God has said that is going to happen and there are things in life that may or may not happen but we need to put it through the grid of a promise that is sure something I want that may or may not and recognize that what we're waiting on needs to be a sure thing But here's the fourth thing I want you to think about in this hope being deferred. The things that God has not promised to us in his word, and this is where we get into the iffy, may or may not be realized in our lives. And too often, those are the areas where you are putting too much stock. Now, let that sink in for a moment. I didn't say it wouldn't happen, but I didn't say it would happen. Do you really want to spend your life banking on those things versus the things that God says this is going to happen? Hope deferred can be expectations that are delayed or denied. So as you are waiting on God in life, as you are hoping in life, you need to recognize what am I waiting on God to do? Is this something that God promised or is this something that may or may not happen? And can I love him whether I receive it or not? But if my love for God is based upon him coming through in this thing, then maybe God is trying to expose to me how much I love what he gives more than I love him i never forget this man was telling me a story about uh, the situation in his life where he was stuck in the bathroom and it was dark and he was a child and as he was stuck in the bathroom and dark as a child, he was freaking out and his dad was able to climb up the side of the house, get in the window and unlock the door to get him out of that darkness. He said he remembered that and sat back and asked himself a question. What would happen, he said, if my dad would have just came in while I was in the darkness and instead of opening the door to get me out, sat with me in the darkness? Would I have been comfortable with my dad doing that or would I have said, what are you doing? Get us out of here. And he equated that to our relationship with God. Could you be comfortable with God sitting with you in the midst of your problems Or is it, God, get me out of this? What's most important to you? Now, I want to say that I was super spiritual when someone asked me that question, but I wasn't. I was like, I would want God to get me out. Why are we sitting here in the dark when we can be in the light? He's the God of light. And then I made it spiritual. He's the God of light. I mean, why are we doing this, right? But what was revealed is how much I want God to do for me versus how much I want to be with him. And it hit me hard because for many of us, if you think about it, your anxiety in life, your frustration, your aggravation is that God isn't moving quick enough and something you're waiting for. And his presence is not enough. But his present is more than what you are looking for. In other words, you don't want his presence, you want his present. Is it possible that while you're waiting, the most important thing is not what you're looking to gain, but the relationship itself? The text says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred, again, can be an expectation of something that may be delayed or something that may be denied. Here's the second point I want you to think about as we dissect this passage together. Where our expectations are denied or, if we understand, delayed, our hearts will be sick. And what does it mean, sick? We'll be disappointed. Again, God not granting those expectations revealed that they were not promised by God, nor did those expectations fit God's providential plan for us. Therefore, it is our advantage to learn what God has not promised. Many of you are disappointed with God today because there are things you were looking for that didn't happen. But what you fail to recognize is that was not in God's plan. God has something else for you that is not his will. I think about that a lot of times when before I married my wife, we've been married 26 years. There was a woman I thought I wasn't going to be with. And every day I go, thank you, Lord. If I would have married that woman, oh my goodness. But at the time, I was devastated and disappointed because she was the one. I just knew that was the one for me. And God was like, that is not the one for you. And I was so broken, so mad at God. God, why, why, why? 26 years later, I understand why. Am I making sense to you, ladies and gentlemen? There are certain things in your life that you're disappointed with, understand disappointment is an opportunity for reflection. It meant that you were looking for something that God said no to, and you must accept that God's will is better than your expectations. It's our advantage, guys, to learn what God has not promised. Uh, let me give you some ideas. God never promised us freedom from trials and problems. I don't care how much you study your Bible. I don't care how faithful you are in ministry. I don't care how much you have your devotions. I don't care how much church attendance you have. The Bible says you shall have tribulations. I don't care how far away you try to get from things. You're going to always have to deal with trials and problems. There is no guarantee or promise ever in life that you won't have to deal with that. Does that make sense? God never promised that everything that we do would work out as we planned and practiced. How many of you exactly where you thought you were going to be right now today? Anybody? I just want to see your hand because I want to know how you did it. (laughs) Nothing is how we planned it. God's goal or God's vision for our lives is bigger than our vision for our lives. And guess what? He has authority to make it work. We don't. He never promised that if we did it right, worked it out right, planned it right, prepared right, prayed right, that everything we planned is going to happen exactly the way we thought it would. That was never a promise from God. But here's the third thing. God never promised that everyone would treat us well even if we treat them well. Now I know we think that if we're nice to people... They should be nice to us, and I agree with you, but guess what? You'll be nice to people, and people will still be nasty towards you. How many of you realize that? I mean, I bent over backwards for some people, and they went as I bent over backwards, tried to break my back in the process. Why? Because we weren't promised that people would treat us the way we treat them. Now, we are called to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, But there was not this added sentence. And as you do so, then they will treat you the way that you, that was not there. Anyone see that in your Bible yet? The moment we understand that God never promised that we would be treated well. I I think that's good for us because if we always think that if we do right by people that do right by us, we won't treat people out of love accordingly. We'll treat people out of reciprocation, waiting to get something in return versus giving out of what we receive from God. And what that has helped me to learn over the years is if I treat you right, because I want you to treat me right, I'm really not serving you, I'm using you. But if I learn to treat you the way God has called me to treat you, then I'm not dealing with you according to who you are, I'm dealing with you according to who I am. Which means, as I'm representing Jesus Christ, you get the benefit of my character. Now, here's a reality that we all must learn. Everyone around you is getting the benefit or the detriment of your character. Think about that. The more you reflect the character of Christ, they get the benefit. The more you walk in your flesh, they get the detriment. And so everyone around you is either suffering or being blessed because of how you are carrying yourself. But God never promised that everyone would treat us well. Here's the fourth thing, and I want you to think about this as we pull it together. In essence, God never promised that our faithful Input to matters and our God honoring pursuit of particular desires will produce our expected success and the realization of all that we pursued. Tell me where God promised that to us. See, once we understand that. As we learn the proper way to hope and we look at what we are hoping for and we learn what we're waiting on and how to wait on God, it puts us in a position to say, you know what, there are things in this world that I can bank on because God has said it but there are things in this world that may or may not happen how much of my life has been waiting on and based upon the things that God may or may not do and how much of my life has been based on waiting on the things that God assured me he would do. The text says hope deferred makes the heart sick but a joy fulfilled is a tree of life. Here's the third thing I want you to think about as we process this passage together. Disappointed expectations can lead us to the end of false hope and into building genuine faith in what God has promised as we wait on the fulfillment of those promises that are delayed in realization. See, the key of disappointed expectations is to get you to look to that which God says to be true, not that which you thought would be real. See, if you work with disappointed expectations well, they become a tool to move you into sinking your assurance on what he promised, not on the passions that are not under his agenda. Disappointed expectations guide you to recognize that there are things in life that maybe you wanted too much that God didn't assure would happen, but that which you should want, you don't want enough. And the more you move in that position, the more there's peace that transcends all understanding. Consider this as we look at the first point here, disappointed expectations can lead us into functioning or focusing on the reformation of our experience into the totality to reflect the character of Jesus Christ, which God promised would happen. Listen to these words of Philippians chapter 3 uh, verses 20 to 21. Let me read this to you. He says for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform the body of our humble state and to conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Consider what he says in Psalm 138 verse 8. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting and do not forsake the works of your hands. Whatever God has started with you and I, we are guaranteed he is going to finish. But secondly, consider this. Disappointed expectations can lead us to focusing on the responsibility of God to provide, to protect, and to prepare us for the next life which God promised would happen. Consider Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 when he says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus consider Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 to verses 6 let me read this to you he says make sure that your character is free from the love of money being content with what you have for he himself has said I will never desert you I will never forsake you so that we may confidently say the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid what will man do to me Consider Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 where he says, For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, disappointed expectations can move you from those things that God did not promise to begin to reflect and lean on the things he did. Consider this third point. Disappointed expectations can lead us to focus on the rewards of God in this life and the life to come which God promised would happen. Notice in Hebrews 11 verse 6 he says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 tells us, let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary consider what he says in first corinthians chapter 3 verse 7 to verse 15 so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but god who causes the growth now he who plants and the one who waters are one but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, as so through fire. Consider the fourth point. Disappointed expectations can lead us to focus on the return of Christ and his glory alone with the residence created by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Once you start to look at disappointed expectations this way. It helps you to realize that maybe God is allowing so much disappointment so that you would stop being so earthly minded that you begin to recognize that things that are way more valuable than the things you're on this side. And the things that you want that are so temporal can't feed your soul the way those things that are eternal can. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to want things on this side of heaven. I'm not saying it's wrong to expect things on this side of heaven. But here's what I'm saying to you. Why not hedge your bet on a sure thing? Why not seek to see what God guarantees versus what may or may not happen? Why not take some time and look at the things that have disappointed you so much and ask a simple question. Why am I so disappointed? Is this something that God promised? And if it's not something that God promised, and here's how you know it's not something God promised. Because the Bible is very clear. The hope of the Lord does not what? Disappoint. Every time you're disappointed, it's revealing something that God didn't promise. Let that sink in for a moment. I know for me, every time I'm disappointed, I have to sit back and reflect and go, God, you didn't promise this. But I was so deeply hoping in this that I didn't realize that this was consuming me above your presence, above your agenda, above your promises. Lord, help me to be adjusted now in such a way where I recognize that it's not a bad thing, but you never said this would be what you provide me. What that does for you and I, it begins to level the playing field of our understanding what we're waiting for, what we're waiting on, what's guaranteed And what's not guaranteed. So I want you to walk with me for a moment because there are four questions that you need to ask yourself as you are hoping and waiting. And if you could take some time and go back through this passage, think about these questions. I think it would help you to get a balanced look at what it means to be waiting on God and what it means to truly hope. Here's the first question I would ask you if we were sitting down together. What are you waiting for? I'd like to hear that from you. What, what are you waiting for? And I'd want you to tell me the things that you're waiting for. But then as you tell me that, the second question I would want to get an answer to is, in who or what are we depending on to bring this to pass? That's a very significant question, don't you think? Because if you're waiting on something to happen, and it's something beyond your control to happen, we really need to know who or what you're waiting on to bring that to pass. But here's the third question I would ask Is this a promise to be fulfilled by God? Don't you think that's an important question? An important thing to figure out? And then here's the fourth thing I would ask you to consider. What Bible verses can we use to affirm the realization of what we are waiting for? And are the verses properly understood in their context? Because remember, if you take a text out of context, what do you get? A con. Every single time my brothers and my sisters I can't tell you how much over the last year I've had to ask and answer these four questions for my own soul and it's helping me to have a better perspective of hope a better perspective of waiting a better perspective of the sovereign God who may provide some of the things that I didn't that he didn't promise me but he may provide it Or he may not. But there's some things that are for sure guaranteed that I can bank on. And that's where I will never, ever be disappointed. Because he said I would not. Let me close by giving you some statements that I thought were fascinating. Uh, Again, a guy named Ben Patterson from a book called Waiting, Finding Hope When God Seems Silent wrote something. And then I want to read you in closing something from Paul Tripp. Listen to these words. To wait on God is to struggle and to sometimes fail. Sometimes the failures teach us more than the successes. For the failures teach us that to wait on God is not only to wait for his mercy, but watch this, to wait by his mercy. The successes of our waiting lies not in who we are, but in who God is. It is not our strength that will pull us through to the end. It is God's amazing grace and mercy. Isn't that such a powerful reality? Consider these words from Paul Tripp. None of us gets our dream in the way we dream it because none of us is writing our own story. God in his love writes a better story than we could ever write for ourselves. He has a better dream than the one that we conceive. He knows much better than we do what is best for us. He will take us places that we never intended to go because in doing so we become more of what he recreated us in Christ to be. I just wanted to encourage you as all of us are waiting on something. Think about what you're waiting for. Who are you depending on to bring it? Or what are you depending on? Is this promised by God? And what verses of the Bible can you give me as a guarantee? If you can't, Maybe it's possible you're waiting for something that wasn't promised. I'm not saying it won't happen. But I can not tell you it will. And where there's disappointment, there's an opportunity for evaluation. To see the lesson that God wants to teach you about waiting on something that's a sure thing. And also being encouraged that your God you serve has something better than the thing that's being denied you in life let's pray together. Father, we thank you. And I know not what my brothers and sisters in this congregation are waiting on, or waiting for. But Lord, I pray that you would cover their hearts, help them to think those things through, help them to be more excited about the journey than they are the thing. Help them to rest in the fullness of your presence, knowing that whatever you decide or deny is far better than whatever dreams they had. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the glory as we together, as brothers and sisters in Christ, learn how to wait and trust you and recognize the adjustments we need to make at the same time. All of those who belong to Jesus Christ said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.